0: Hey, well, welcome and welcome back to Unapologetically Black Unicorns. And I have a wonderful, fantabulous, spectacular, probably way more adjectives, um, guest who's joining me this week. Um, And it is Mr. Mark Tuggle. You know, and we've never met in person or if we have, I don't recall, which is okay. I'm old and allowed to forget. But, um, you know, on my uh, podcast, I actually don't do bio-introduction. So Mark, would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners?
1: Yes. Thank you, Charis. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. I'm a Leo, so Leos love compliments. (laughs) I'm 62 years old, live in Harlem, single, no kids, happy being alone. I'm a freelance writer. I'm also an activist and educator, um, pseudo-humanitarian. But what I'm most excited about right now is my passion for mental health. I I am the author and editor of of okay. a wonderful book called Cultural Silence and Wounded Souls Black Men Speak About Mental Health.
0: Fantastic, and that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. You know, I ran across your book, I think on on LinkedIn or maybe on Twitter. I can't remember. And I had put it on my Amazon wish list. I was like, I have to get this book. I want to read this book. And then um, uh, a colleague of ours reached out and did an e introduction. And I said, Oh, perfect! <laughs> this is this is so perfect because I've been wanting to talk to you about the book. And then I subsequently got the book and have been reading it, and it is amazing. So let's start a little bit at the beginning. Why would you write a book about mental health?
1: Good question. Uh, four years ago, God put this on my spirit. I wanted to write about my own personal journey with mental health, which started 20 years ago in terms of my clinical diagnosis. But I wasn't sure how it was going to manifest, poem and haiku and essay. Um, so I started writing and then I called a friend of mine and you know, we decided maybe we should put together an anthology. So it just won't be just my story. It'll be a collective. And so we reached out to some other men and that's how we kind of got the ball rolling is, you know, through social media. And it's been a very arduous, liberating, difficult, painful, humbling, exciting journey. And I'm grateful that the book is published and out to the world so people can benefit.
0: So you said, first you said you reached out to a bunch of men. So let's talk about who is the book about and, and why more well, Black men?
1: Yeah, well, I, you know, I self-identify as a Black male. You know, there's this culture, there's color. It's not the same thing. It's, I use Black as a noun because it's, you know, say it loud, I'm Black and I'm proud. Black is beautiful. Well, I'm 62 years old, so I grew up with the Black Stone Rangers and the Black Panther Party. And so that's really what's in my spirit. But it's really for men of African descent, culturally, because, you know, that's cultural silence. But, you know, any man or woman, who has issues with mental health and or mental illness can benefit from the stories and the resources. So, but culturally demographic is ages 20 to 65 men of African descent.
0: How hard was it to get um, black men to be open to tell their stories? Well, I know how many how many different um, writers there are, but why don't, why don't you tell us how many um, different stories you have and also who are some of the authors of these um, pieces of
1: work? Well, it was very difficult. Um, most of the men I've never met before, never even had a telephone conversation. You know, we live in a digital world, and sadly, people don't want to pick up the phone and have a conversation. And that's kind of hard for me to accept because that's not where I come from, but that's the world I live in. So, a lot of emailing and texting and emailing and texting. Uh, I got a lot of indifference. People who didn't respond, or they just didn't have the capacity or the bandwidth, or just weren't interested. Some of the contributors uh, include uh, Dr. T. Hassan Johnson, who teaches Black Male Studies. He has a podcast as well. Uh, David Melbranch, who's a physician in Atlanta. Uh, Craig Washington, who's a writer, Professor Timmy M. West. Michael Sledge, who I've worked with in terms of um, being a mentor and tutor for the last 20 years with Sledge Group. So there's advocates, there's businessmen, there are clinicians, educators, filmmakers, journalists, musicians, rappers, I really wanted a wide perspective and a cultural mosaic of different perspectives, guys from the UK, guys from the Caribbean. I really wanted that cultural, you know, blanket. I want, I want people to really talk about how they feel, what they think, their worldview and how it impacts their, their esteem and their value in work today.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, as I was reading the book and I couldn't figure out exactly where to start, which is fine because you can start anywhere in the book, I believe. It's not like you have to read it from beginning to end. And in the first story, and I don't remember whose it was, sorry about that, but, you know, I, I read it and then I had to put the book down um, because, you know, it's it's just so reminiscent of the day-to-day struggles. And I'll just you know, use the word trauma that can impact the life of a black man, you know, today. And as I'm reading the story, I'm thinking, but this is still going on today. and And, you know, how did you work through like all of these different stories and where where's the quote unquote, positivity? And I don't want to be cost I don't want to be like positive for the sake of being positive. but but how can people get through this 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 work? Do you know what I mean?
1: I do. I do. Um, and you know, it, it is, a, it is a journey, you know, it's not a destination. It's not, we're trying we're not looking for the promise. I'm not looking for the promised land. I don't believe in that. And my own experience living with generalized anxiety disorder and modern depression is a journey. I don't take medication. Um, I take naps. <laughs> 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 um, you know, so, you know, everyone has to find their own niche or maybe not, but, Some of the stories are very difficult to read. There were a a few guys who uh, wrote about their multiple attempts at suicide. Mm -hmm. I can identify with suicide ideation. So that was painful to actually read, but it was also very comforting knowing that I'm not here in Harlem all by myself with these feelings and these thoughts and these situations. So just learning how to be present through prayer and meditation really helped me to kind of get through it and then just, you know just accepting that this is their work, not mine. You know, Toni Morrison actually helped me a lot because I saw her documentary recently. And she mentioned when she was hired as an editor, I think it was Harper Collins. She mentioned how as editor, it was not her work, it was their work. And she was the conduit, she was the vessel, she was the instrument. She had to get out the way and let them tell their story. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was very challenging because I'm a Leo, I always got something to say. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm
0: a Gemini. I'm a Gemini. I always got something to say too. So, I don't know. <laughs> I think sometimes for when people are unheard, we have a lot to say no matter the the uh, zodiac sign possibly as well. So, you know, and I was also thinking about some of the commonalities in the story and I I think it starts off with from the person who wrote the 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 preface or the foreword about, you know, being born into this world, like taking that first breath. And then there's this whole litany of things that go beyond what it may be like for people to take their first breath for, but for a black man, it already sort of starts off putting you in a, in a world or a space of, of trauma. How will other black men relate to this, do you think, whether they have a mental health condition or not?
1: You know, I I have friends and associates who have bought the book and they've told me that they really felt connected emotionally with some of the experiences of other black men uh, because they too have dealt with anxiety and depression, isolation, loss, PTSD. I have a buddy who's been in therapy for over 30 years. He was in the war and he still has flashbacks. So to read somebody else younger than him who has the same issues he said was very helpful to him because we still do feel that sense of alienation. You know, a lot of us don't even get respected as men. We're still called boy in certain parts of the country or the world. And we're treated that way by the law, the police, the IRS, all the microaggressions that we have to go through, just the day-to-day being in this body. It's not a yadi yadi. You know, it's it's really a challenge to be in this, this body. Sometimes Carol, I feel like I'm in, I'm in prison. Mm. You know? I actually feel like you don't have to go to jail to feel like you're behind bars. Mm-hmm. When I walk out the door, I, have to, I feel like I have to wear masks sometimes because I feel like James Baldwin talks about being menaced. He says that um, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. Yeah. And some of us don't want to face the harsh reality of being in a world where we are not valued, we're not respected, we're not loved, we're not seen, we're not heard we're not affirmed it's, it's it's very difficult
0: yes yeah definitely and it it impacts your um emotional well-being as well as your physical health so you know how do you, how do you especially you know with your own lived experience um, and i am a fan of naps i say many times that uh, people oh what are you doing this weekend I am becoming one with my bed. Thank you very much. Which basically <laughs> means I'm going to sleep. I'll see you guys on Monday. Right. But, um, <laughs> but um, you know, what are, what are some of the things that that you've learned from this experience of editing these stories and hearing the stories and the poems from the men who were, you know, contributed to the book?
1: Well, I'm learning to take better care of myself. Uh, I try to go to the gym two or three times a week for at least an hour Um, I try to eat organic and vegetarian food, which is difficult because I was raised on Greek sugar, pork, and chocolate, typical black family diet. Um, Mm -hmm. So exercise and nutrition are very important. Prayer and meditation are very important in my life. I pray every day. I have to. And um, comedy and laughter are very important. Sometimes I'll just put on Saturday entertainer and just Mm -hmm. Richard Pryor, Patrice O'Neill, Robin Harris. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I just need to laugh. Laughter is a healing medicine. Yes. Thank God for, you know, Hulu, Netflix. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Or sometimes I go to, I go to the baseball game Mm -hmm. and I'm not a big baseball fan the way I was when I was a kid, but just the, the socialization of being out and about with the world and watching other people do what they do for a living and just spending a few hours away from my own apartment. That's fun. I actually enjoy sports. So, um, so there's different ways to, cope. Mm -hmm. But some days I don't really have the energy to do so. I just don't feel any type of positive energy going through my body. And it's really difficult to to get out of that space.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So do you use the arts at all or writing or anything like that to sort of help during those times?
1: I do. I do. In fact, um, I have what's called a gratitude list. Every 90 days, I write down 20 new people, places and things that God has put in my life. And I've been doing this consistently for over 27 years. Wow. Wow. But the benefit is that every 90 days, I have 20 new people, places, and things to be grateful for. Things that I probably would normally take for granted, but because the discipline of writing and putting on paper helps me to see what I'm grateful for. And that's good for my spiritual growth and development. Mm -hmm. So when I do feel depressed, when I do feel despair, when I do feel alone, because sometimes I do feel alone, I need to be able to see something that is valuable and worthy my humanity and that's not an easy
0: thing to do yeah exactly exactly so you know as somebody who you know lives solo (laughs) i'll put it that way um i yeah the, the alone word is kind of like am i alone am i lonely am i solo like how do I understand all of that? And yeah, sometimes living solo can mean there are times when I feel lonely. And you know, what are some of the strategies that um to get out of that headspace? Cause it's a it's a headspace. I don't I don't think it's a it's a it's a reality feeling, but it's also a headspace that I can do something about too. So I love the idea of a gratitude list. I don't know that I have the discipline for that, but I certainly love the idea of it. So I want to go back to something. I want to go back to the to the book and and ask a little bit about the process. I know many people have, um, and I would be one of them, you know, have stories in their heads or ideas in their heads that, you know, they want to get out in, into the world. And when when you thought of this idea of a of a book and, and you contacted a bunch of people, then what was the next step to take it to fruition of, and here's a book, it's in the Amazon store and you can actually purchase it.
1: That's interesting. Um, I had to make sure that I had some legal advice mm-hmm. So when they see me on Oprah, they won't sue me. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, I got some legal. So they, I got to sign a contract saying that the sole compensation was just a copy of the book and they were happy to do so. Mm-hmm. And just dealing with me learning how to become an editor, because this, this is a new journey for me as well. And there were you know things that people wrote that I personally did not agree with or believe in. But again, this is not my story. Mm-hmm. So I had to practice the principle of restraint which is really hard for me. (laughs) Like I said, I got something to say, but that was part of the, actually made me mature Mm -hmm. in ways that I found very surprising. I didn't realize I had that in me, the ability to just get out the way and -hmm. let people tell their own story. And what I love about this book is that because it's not being sponsored by McDonald's or Nike or Verizon, it's black men unplugged. And you're not gonna get that on BET or CNN because you have to deal with advertisers. Television is run by advertising dollars. So they don't want you to tell the truth unless it conforms to their corporate stockholders or their political ideology. So we don't have to deal with that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of being independently published because it is independently published. Is that Would that be correct? Yeah, okay, yeah. And then, um, you know, when I'm sort of, again, going through the book what were some of the themes that you saw that may have been common across all of the stories and um, and then i'll ask you something about like maybe what surprised you in in some of the stories that were shared
1: well two of the common themes were anxiety and depression everyone doesn't understand anxiety and depression the same way they don't perceive it the same way they don't react with the same way but it was very common for practically every man to to talk about how they deal with or how they learn about anxiety and depression. And that was very common. Um, loss was also very common. And not just the loss of a person. Sometimes people, you know, the loss of an, uh, an item, like a watch that was given to you by someone that you care about, or the loss of your youth. I'm 62, so I, I found myself grieving my youth. You know, I, I don't ride a bike anymore. So this things that I don't do that I wanna do, but my body says, Mark, stop. <laughs> <laughs> you're 62 not 22 you know get, get get with it so i say anxiety depression loss uh, and also stress stress is also a very common theme amongst um, black men you know dealing with work school family relationships money health aging racism homophobia misogyny um there's just so much Yeah. And how many
0: of the the folks who you talk to, because I noticed there are a number who, um, you know, had their experiences and because, and and maybe a little bit similar to you, you can tell me, then entered in to do work in the mental health field. They, you know, either, you know, do things with, you know, Black Mental Health uh, Collective or something like that. So how many men actually had or, or have, you know, mental health um, lived experience and then actually use that experience to do something in the mental health world, either through advocacy or practice or programs or things like that?
1: Off the top of my head, I, I would say at least half, mm-hmm. because I, I, I did want the professional perspective as well. I wanted data. I wanted research. I wanted science. I wanted numbers. Numbers never lie. But for me, it was more important to tell the human story. So I, I would say at least half of the men have lived experience with mental health issues or mental illness which is not the same thing
0: Mm -hmm. how how have you sort of and again you know um i have family in, in harlem and um you know has there been you know have you been doing any kind of like book readings or outreach or anything in your community in harlem and how has it been received if so
1: i have not done a book reading yet um i've just ordered like 100 books they should be here in the next couple of weeks. Um, I'm a slow learner. It's been three months. This is all new for me, Kara. I have no experience being an author and editor. And, you know, I got my temporary street permit uh, in New York City. You mm-hmm. don't have to have a vendor's license to sell books. I just found that out. So the next four months, I'm going to be at the Harlem Book Fair and the Multicultural Festival. And I'm going to be hitting the streets every weekend. I'm going to be out there with my book.
0: Okay, y'all, y'all heard that, right? So if you're you're not in
1: <laughs> in <laughs> <Marlo laughs> <a place laughs> out in the city,
0: you need, to, you need to see if you you spot Mark out there um, hawking his books and buy one of his books. But yeah, I mean, you know, I'm glad you said this is new for you because I think, you know, um, like for me, podcasting was new. Like I had no idea about podcasting, and honestly. I listen to maybe one podcast every now and again. So the idea of actually doing a podcast, like, I don't even listen to them. Are you serious? Like I should do a podcast. But it was, you know, um, a learning process about, you know, what do I need to do? And what's the timing of it? And how much does it cost? Because it does cost something if I have a producer, which I do. And if I didn't have a producer, how would I learn um, to produce? What about the music licenses? Like all of these things is like, wait a minute, like nobody gave me podcasting 101. I'm sure it's out there somewhere, but um, you know, this whole process of learning how to do this work is, is new. So I think sometimes when we're sharing about that, especially on the podcast for other people who are thinking about, Oh, I'd like to give that a try. You know, you're, you're helping them kind of think through some of the bits and pieces and, and people may comment on the podcast to go, Oh yeah, I've done this before. Here's something you might think about. Right. So my my father's also um, uh, written two independently published books. So um yeah. No, no advice from him right now. So like, <laughs> he's like, I put in the books, I'm done. Let's put them up on Amazon and hope they sell. Um, but I, no, I think he's starting to do some book readings. He's also eighty, eighty eight 88 years old, I think.
1: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. That's yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So when you say you're 60, just kind 62. of, I'll be 62. Oh, 62. Well, see now, now what is, what did she say for black lady Skech, sketch, show? Well, see, 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 see,
1: see. <laughs> well, Marina Wham says she's thirty-five. So Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Every birthday, I'm I'm counting backwards. Like I'm taking five years back. Like, okay, you, you done stole those five years. I'm taking them back. So <laughs> I, I won't say how old I really am, but I'm five years younger than I really am. And you know, it, it's kind of like you know when we're talking about getting into sort of mindsets or kind of falling into maybe old old habits. Possibly, I can fall into the habit of not knowing how to celebrate, not knowing how to bring friends together. I um, i don't know. It's just the old habits. <laughs> and then I get sad about it. It's like, oh, woe is me. I'm celebrating my birthday by myself. I'm the saddest person on the face of the earth. And when I went through that process, I'm like, wait, wait, you're choosing to do that. Like, Karis, you are choosing to spend your birthday by yourself and be sad about it. Do you want to spend your birthday with someone? Then you need to contact someone and tell them that because I don't tell everybody it's my birthday, right? It's just another day. So, so I actually did reach out to a friend who I thought would understand. And, um, I said, okay, I'm feeling kind of, shall we say crap-assy about my birthday. And, um, I don't know, would you um, just want to come and hang out with me? And they said, oh my gosh, yes, that we. oh, we should celebrate you, blah, blah, blah. What do you want to do? I said, I, I, I don't know. I just decided I want to do something. And the next you know, message was, I'm going to surprise you. We're going to do something and we're just going to make this a fabulous day. It was like, oh, that's so cool. So yeah, yeah. Sometimes you got to take it into your
1: own hands, right? Yeah, no, I, I can identify. My mother taught me a long time ago to treat myself which I do, which normally means lunch and shopping. But I was watching Yana Vanzant one time and she was talking to a woman who was going to turn 50. And Ian said, do you feel worthy of having your birthday celebrated? Mm. And it was a larger question around value. Mm. And it really resonated with me because I've never had a birthday party. So I thought, well, okay, I'll be 50, 55, 60. I still haven't had a birthday party. Now, I do feel worthy of a celebration, but I don't really care about having a birthday party, right. but I thought I was supposed to because Yala Valadant said so. No.
0: <laughs> 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 That's right. That's right. That's another sort <laughs> of those social things that are imposed on you, right?
1: Right. Exactly. So I yeah. again, I really value my autonomy.
0: Mm, mm. Um,
1: and if I feel sad, it's okay to feel sad, but you're right. It, it is a, we do choose.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But for that one, I I was like, you know, I wanted to do something, but I didn't have the, what do I want to say? I didn't have the guts to say I wanted to do something. So it was easier to say I'm alone. Right, That's really what happened. Right. And so then once I was able to say, well, no, you don't want to be alone. You actually want to go out and do something. Okay. Then I had the power to change that. That's the autonomy that I had. Right. So yeah, like, like this year for, um, New Year's Eve, New Year's Eve is another one that kind of like, is like, oh, everybody's out, and they're clinking their champagne glasses, and they're hanging out, and they're kissing at midnight, and I'm sitting in my home petting my dog. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's not a bad thing. My dog, I'm sure, is very happy that I have stayed home, but uh, this year, I said, oh, wait a minute. I'm making that choice. What what could I do? Like I don't actually want to be out on the road driving, you know, when people are drinking. I, I don't feel very safe. Um, I don't know that I want to be in a large group of people, sort of not really post-COVID. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so I, I don't know that I want to be in a bar or a restaurant um and, and around a bunch of people. So I did something which had me around people and I said, Well, you know what? The treat yourself. I said, it's a new year. I could actually, and I like tarot, as people know. And um, so I was playing around with tarot cards. And again, I don't think they're divinatory. Just to be, I, for me, they're not, I don't use them for divination. I just use them to kind of, I don't know, look at the pictures and see, well, yeah, is, is there some message here? Is there something I should be paying attention to? Maybe is what I do. So I was playing around with the cards and I pulled the full card <laughs> I was like, Oh God, I'm the fool. But the fool really means you're taking an adventure. And I said, Oh, I wonder what adventure I'm taking. And so I created my own adventure for New Year's and I um, live in Los Angeles. So I figured how far can I go on an Amtrak so that I'm actually on the train at New Year's Eve, because then I'm not by myself, but I am by myself, but I'm not by myself. (laughs) I had rigged this whole thing in my mind. So I actually took a plane to Seattle on the Thirtieth, I took a plane to Seattle, got a you know a hotel room right across from um, the Space Needle. So the Space Needle was all lit up in all different colors for um, still Christmas season, the holiday season. Um, and then the next day, I went to the train station and hopped on a train and got a little sleeper car because I had enough points in my Amtrak account, and I went on the sleeper car. Overnight, so I celebrated New Year's Eve on an Amtrak train in the middle of I don't know where <laughs> to make my way all the way back where I started in l a. That was my adventure. And the big adventure part was that uh, there was a huge um rainstorm prior, so it had flooded out the tracks. So what should have taken maybe um you know, almost a little bit more than a day and a half actually took about two and a half days. So it was really an adventure, and I had no place to go, so I couldn't be mad that we were late didn't matter I was just having an adventure so that intentionality you know what I mean
1: yes and then I love that because I, I, I have an adventurous spirit too and sometimes I just go outside and I walk with no particular destination mm. I'll, just walking you know New York is a, as you know it's a really big place I'm two blocks away from the central park so I'll just be walking and then it's a half an hour I go by I'm like, mark where are you going <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like I'm not going anywhere but that's okay too yeah. Yeah. That's okay too. So I, I really have to really just be okay with being okay or even not okay. So I love that story. You know, now you're inspiring me to go someplace, not on Amtrak, but <laughs> I'm going to go someplace. Yeah. I'm a bit of a
0: train. <laughs> I love trains. When I, when I went to Italy, I had the you know option to take, I think a plane from one city to the next, because, you know, my plane didn't go all the way to where I was going and they had booked a, um, either it was another plane or a bus. And I said, you know what, I'm (laughs) going to refund this thing. I'm going to take the train because I've never taken the train across um, Italy. And that was actually a lot of fun. A A little hard because I don't speak the best Italian, but yeah, always up for a bit of an adventure.
1: You know, that sounds great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, let's, we're going to talk a little bit more about the book. We've sort of had a little segue here <laughs> no. to know each other and talk.
1: No, it's okay. It's fine.
0: You know, yeah. And I think actually, these are, these are things that, you know, sometimes I think people are having the same conversations in their head that we're having out loud. Like I agree. I do for my birthday, or what do I do for New Year's? Oh my gosh, I'm alone, or I'm lonely, or I'm solo, whatever. So I think these are conversations that help people think through. Hey, you're not alone on that one. We're going through it too. So um, when we think about this book, and you know, I really want to stress to the audience about, you know, Black men and Black men's mental health, especially as we see um, increased suicide rate um, for Black boys. There's finally this attention on Black youth suicide. Uh, I think there's more attention on um, disparities and inequities and equity uh, for uh, Black and Indigenous people of color, if that's the term that folks are using nowadays. (laughs) But, um, so how do you think this book can help people have a better understanding of the unique experiences of, of black men?
1: Again, you know, I really think, you know, and you talked about how the lived experiences and how that authenticity and autonomy tends to resonate with people's hearts, you know, when they realize that, you know, there's somebody out here who I've never met, I may have never see before, but they've actually have the same thoughts, the same feelings, the same passions, the same frustrations. Just learning how to give yourself a break and um, and pay attention to what's on the inside. Mm. You know, what's bothering you, what's disturbing you And, and having the I guess the courage to pick up the phone and call somebody and say, you know, I need somebody to talk to. Yeah. Are you willing to listen? You know, I need two ears. Are you willing to listen? I had to learn how to do that. Hmm. You know, So I, I think that's very helpful, it's just it's being aware that, OK, I need someone to talk to. And I may not know or they may not know what exactly is going to come out, but there's this desire that's innate that you can't pay for, that you can't get at school. It, it's something on the inside. It's, it's genuine. It's, it's real. And knowing that there are other men from different walks of life, you know, maybe 20 years younger or older who have the exact same lived experience, it could really inspire you, encourage you, and support you to actually do the same thing. It doesn't mean you're going to see a life coach or a therapist or a social worker. That's not for everybody. Therapy is not a one-size-fits-all solution. It's not a Band-Aid. But it is an option. Yeah. And I think sometimes we shame people who don't go into therapy.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which
1: makes it even worse. mm mm-hmm. So I think it's important to also just accept that people have their own way of dealing with what they deal with, whether they deal with it or not. And knowing that there are people you can listen to and also their, their resources that, that, that you have access to, so you can, you know, you can call this service provider, you can go to this website, you can listen to this podcast, listen to your podcast, right? Watch a video, um, read another book. So I really think the information and the inspiration can be a benefit to men who are going through the same thing.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I, I love the fact that the book is um, so diverse in the type of um, authors and contributors that are there, as you said earlier, you know, anywhere from artists to providers to, you know, writers. And so you can find your, you probably find yourself in this book. And at the end of the book, um, there's a little bios for each of the contributors too, which is super helpful.
1: Yeah, that was important. That was intentional
0: yeah yeah. so as we um start to wrap up because we're gonna do this thing, what I call um I and I forewarned you of it, so you wouldn't be surprised, but uh, you no know, i we we've talked you know a lot about the book and about our own lives and things that are similar as well. and so, um, this is the time when I like um the guests to do a bit of wisdom dropping. so and wisdom dropping means just sharing a bit of wisdom with our listeners. So what wisdom do you have for them?
1: Well, uh, Muhammad Ali says that service to others is the rent you pay for your room here on earth. And that really helped me a lot because I want this project to be of service. I want to be of service to humanity. And yes, the book centers black men and that is intentional, but black men have relations with other black people or non-black people. Mm -hmm. And so if they decide to buy the book as a gift, for example, it could be another way for them to be of service to somebody else. you know. So that's really important. Uh, Queen of Fua says that self-care is care. right? Self-care is one of those phrases that we've been using for the last maybe decade or so. It means different things to different people. But I think, you know, Bonzan says, you know, begin within. So I can begin my self-care within, which doesn't mean I have to go buy something. I don't have to buy something to exercise. I got two feet. Go outside and walk around the block for three, walk around my block three times. That's exercise. Mm -hmm. I don't have to join a gym. So sometimes it's the little things. It's the little things that we kind of take for granted, but that's all the wisdom I have right now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay. <laughs> that is
0: a lot of wisdom and you have already <laughs> been dropping wisdom throughout the whole conversation and I just want to thank you so much for taking time to um you know speak with me to be on the podcast and to share your talents with the world with the book and Take a look at the book. So there will be a link for the book in the description, so folks can check it out. Um, and of course, you know, I don't endorse sponsor anything like that on my on my podcast. But certainly, I want to make sure people have access to resources that are out there, and this is a resource that's out there. I want folks to be aware of. So, thank you, Mark, for for joining me on the podcast.
1: Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I really appreciate it. You have a wonderful day
0: your thing. Okay. So for our listeners, you know, I got to do my thing. The producer reminds me always to say, like, subscribe, share. No, he doesn't say that. He says, like, subscribe, comment, I say share. So, (laughs) you know, I think that's the most important thing that we can do with um, when uh, great information is uh, bestowed upon us on the podcast is to share it with others because there are going to be people who need to have access to this information. Um, And until next week, hope you all have whatever kind of time you all need to have. And I will see you all next week on Unapologetically Black Unicorns.